Hi, everyone, and welcome for the last episode of the Poolside Web3 Builders podcast for 2023. By the time you're going to air this, it's going to be December. So the next one, you can expect it in January. But we're here, we're bringing founders stories uh, on building Web3 products, protocols, communities, and so on. And talking about journey, the fundraising, hiring, go-to-market strategies, and everything that is relevant to inspire the new generation of Web3 leaders. I'm your host. My name is Jan. And today I have the chance to speak with Cynthia. Cynthia is co-founder at D-Travel, uh, building for ownership in the travel industry through on-chain products that solve for trust, reputation, distribution, and connectivity. I got that from your website, but we'll dive deeper into that with, uh, with Cynthia. Um, so yeah, talking with Cynthia, super excited about this and talking about the idea behind your project, uh, as well as some highlights on the journey, the builder's journey from ID to MVP, to a roadmap, community building, everything, challenges, successes. We will be discussing here pitfalls as well, um, explained by Cynthia. So Cynthia, I'm super, super excited to have you here with us. Thanks, Jan. Super excited to be here. And also you obviously saved the best for the last of the year <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah, that's the goal all right before diving into into the topics itself uh, i always like to remind ourselves and and the listeners why we're doing this so at poolside our mission is to inspire and guide web tree builders with advice from seasoned web tree leaders like cynthia here um and also mentioning again poolside has an accelerator program we help um yeah early stage web tree projects we invest in them up to 100k and then we help them pretty hands-on with everything bd fundraising marketing products uh, tech related um so yeah if you're interested in the accelerator program don't hesitate to reach out to us through poolsite.co now back to Cynthia. Thanks, Cynthia, to uh, to be here with us. Can you maybe start with introducing yourself, your project as well, your background, uh, your journey in crypto, and also uh, what motivated you to build in Web3? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Cynthia, and I'm the CEO of DTravel. DTravel is what we call a Web3 travel ecosystem, um, solving the biggest problems in the vacation rental industry. I'll talk a little bit more about DTravel. Um, in a bit, but for me, I started my career for the first 10 years actually in inference and risk management before moving into being a product manager. And then at the same time, I was actually attending hackathons, which was amazing. I really fell in love with the tech industry and was also a short term rental host at the time and ended up actually co founding one of the longest running and largest Airbnb forums, which I still run today. And then I made my journey into Web3 through founding a startup called um, Altcoin Fantasy. And that was really about educating people about trading cryptocurrency in a risk-free way. And yeah, it's just been a crazy journey so far, learning about Web3 and just still being very passionate about the industry. Cool. And timeline-wise, when when was that? When you started your first company in web3 that was in 2017 which seems like a million years ago as we always say <laughs> in web3 one year is 10 years yeah yeah funny you have like a constant over the podcast like many many of us have been here or building or professionally been here since 2016 2017 uh, so that's the same again and then another constant that i'm hearing is like hackathons hackathons is is where people have met their co-founders, have fallen in love with the industry. Um, are you still going to hackathons today or is that something 
from the early, early days? Unfortunately, not just from a timing perspective. Like I actually love hackathons. I think they're so, so fun and I have so many ideas. So that's definitely something that I want to get back to for sure. It's actually what, quite interesting what you mentioned about a lot of us being in the industry in sort of 2016, 2017, because that was essentially kind of when we met, right? I mean, crypto back then was super small. And so we met each other by collaborating on the different companies that we were with at the time. And now here we are again, but seven mm -hmm. years later. Yeah, funny. Yeah. And we met in person as well in Lisbon. Uh, so it was that was fun. It was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and indeed back then I was working at, at Delta, the the crypto portfolio tracking application, still still there, still out there. But it was for me like the first time I was professionally active in uh, in Web three, and and indeed you in small community, but community is, is is getting bigger, is growing definitely, and also getting smarter and attracting really good talents from from Web two. I think that's something that you are doing with D Travel as well, if I'm correct, like attracting. Web2 talents? Yeah, so D-Travel is really focused on the vacation rental industry. So that's my background. Obviously, I've been a host for the last decade. And what I've seen increasingly, especially over the last five years, is that there's become more and more problems in this industry because of centralization. So when I started, the industry was very, very host-centric, very community-focused. And it still is to a large part. Like you have host groups all around the world that want to help each other. Everybody in our forum is really committed to providing resources for other people around the world. But I think what a lot of the centralization industry has done is added a lot of costs so that it's no longer that much cheaper or even cheaper at all to book a short-term rental compared to a hotel. I think most importantly, there is a lot of dissatisfaction on both sides because of these intermediaries. And so really for us, we're trying to focus on making direct connections between a host and a guest. And D-Travel is not the first company to focus on this in Web3, which is quite interesting. One of, I think probably the first project that was trying to solve this is called B-Token. I don't know if you remember it back in the day. Okay, no. so they actually raised quite a lot of money and I actually invested in them because I was a host still at the time and I was like, oh, this is such a great idea. I think I remember now, is it the bee with a beehive kind of thing? Like yes. The... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was, a, I think, a <laughs> well, bunch of guys from Uber that started. So they didn't have any experience in the short-term or vacation rental industry. And infrastructure was very, very nascent at the time. I mean, mm -hmm. you didn't have any L2 solutions. Gas costs were very expensive. You didn't have a lot of... Um, throughput on blockchains, I mean, Ethereum at the time, which is what they were built in. And I think all of those problems led to them not being successful. Whereas for us, everybody in our team has a lot of expertise in the short-term rental industry. I mean, almost everybody comes from that industry and has a passion for web and blockchain, like they've been following it for a while. Maybe they haven't worked in it, but they definitely see the applications of it changing this industry. And so to your question about web to talent coming in i think when you and i first started in crypto in 2017 it was kind of i want to say like a ragtag group of people coming in <laughs> who were very idealistic but it kind of was like that and yeah. we didn't have a lot of the maturity that we do today in terms of like the grown-ups coming into the industry mm -hmm. to add a lot of rigor and process and we i think have that now and i think that's really important because 
I think a really big key to a project being successful is having that subject matter expertise. And if we're trying to disrupt industries that already exist today, we need those people coming into the space and we have to attract talent into the industry. Yeah, that's very interesting. So both talents, like the right time for talents to attract them, right maturity, and also the right time to market, like having the right uh, technology, like you're saying, like the layer twos or or other protocols that are helping um, yeah, with, with the tech challenges that, that maybe similar IDs and projects had uh, five years ago. So that's yeah, I think really good advice. Like timing is, is really key. And now the, the puzzle pieces are coming together. The stars are getting aligned with, a, with the industry maturing on a technical, but also a professional level. It's cool. It's interesting. About uh, a question about the co-founders or how big is the, is, is the team today? How big is the team of founders? And how did you all meet and decided to work together? And is that remotely or do you see each other physically a lot? Yeah, our entire team is remote, which is a very Web3 way of operating, of mm -hmm. course. I think most of the team has met each other over the last three years of working together. And in terms of co-founders, so it's myself and Drew who are the co-founders. It was actually kind of an interesting project how it started because there was a whole bunch of us that kind of wanted to work on this solution of vacation rentals because we originally started from Travala. So what happened was that they were trying to get an API feed for vacation rentals specifically. And that was really challenging because nothing like that really existed. And so this idea came about of, you know, why don't we actually use blockchain to make it more efficient to distribute vacation rentals? And of course, that was my background. And you know, going back to this point of the industry being really small at the time, I had worked with or all of the early people on the team in different projects. And so we all kind of came together and wanted to solve this really massive challenge in short-term rentals. And I think the timing was actually really perfect because not only was the infrastructure in Web3 getting to a point where scalability was no longer a challenge, but kind of at the same time in parallel, what was happening in the short-term rental industry is COVID happened, there are mass cancellations. And I think a lot of hosts mm -hmm. realized that if they were relying on a platform like Airbnb or booking.com, they were really vulnerable in their businesses because overnight, as you can imagine, they went from having a whole bunch of revenue that they were anticipating to now nothing. And because of that, there's been this shift towards direct bookings, which is a booking directly between a host or a property manager and a guest. And that's been really great for us because not only can Web3 really enable that, but there's a shift in terms of what people want in their businesses that Web3 is really solving a real challenge for. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Again, like super, super interesting to hear about that timing. And also for many industries, COVID was, was, was a click or a declick in in in, uh, in being something very positive or negative, and here it's like thanks to or due to COVID, you, the travel industry saw new challenges uh, that are able to to be solved with uh, with the travel. Um, question on on the fundraising or or because of course you've been building for a couple of years, you've grown a team, uh, you need money to do this, you need money to pay yourself and 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 to uh, to grow. Um, how did you approach this? Like, when when was the time right for you guys to to do fundraising, and how did you approach it? And if you have any advice for 
for entrepreneurs in Web3 that are thinking about fundraising, but maybe delaying it? Or what would you say to them? Yeah, fundraising is kind of an interesting topic in Web3 specifically, because if you look at Web2, fundraising traditionally has stayed essentially the same, right? So you go to VCs, you raise on a safe, and then you'll do a price round for your A round, et cetera. And that hasn't changed at all over time. Whereas I think with Web3, what's really interesting is that how you fundraise is very much a product of the time that you're in. So how you fundraised in, let's say, 2016 as a crypto project was different from how you fundraised in 2018 and 2020 and now 2023, because ICOs were very popular and then there were IEOs and IDOs. And then now I think what we're seeing is more traditional like equity companies that have a token warrant or a token mm -hmm. side letter because investors are also now looking more for this combination of both and i think in terms of fundraising it's very personal for a project to decide how much they need to fundraise but i think what is consistent is you should always raise more than you think you'll need because especially in web3 we always, always go through market cycles, right? So you always have bear markets, you always have bull markets. And you don't know how long those bear markets are, but you need to make sure that you can sustain yourself through that. Because what we're seeing happen more and more is that the crypto market is tied very much to macroeconomics. And so previously where we saw cycles that were, you know, give or take three years, I think those cycle times are going to change because of this increasing overlap between macroeconomics and the crypto industry. And so we might actually have these cycles that end up being, you know, five, seven, 10 years long that you have to get through. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what your fundraising is going to be like through those market cycles. And so being really cautious, getting more than you think, being really thrifty, because in Web3, especially when it's a bull market, we have this tendency to get caught up in all the craziness and spend a lot of money. And I think from the last market cycle, that's probably, hopefully anyway, not going to be as much the case. But it is really tempting to spend a lot of money when things look really rosy. Mm. But you want to make sure that you're conserving your runway as much as possible so that you can build throughout the bear market, regardless of how long that is. Epic. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think we heard something a bit similar from from Ryan CyberConnect in in the previous podcast, also saying like you have to raise for market cycles in Web three, so you have you will have mm -hmm. periods of time that you that there is almost no activity, no revenue, <clears throat> and and yeah, just all good, good long cold bear markets. So for those times, you still need to have cash to to be able to, uh, to continue building. So that's a uh, yeah, that, that's good advice. And indeed, like the, the environment of fundraising has changed or has evolved as well, like in a good way. Um, so that, that that's that's good, and it will still continue to evolve. And we see that as well, like with poolside VCs that are interested in in equity and token warrants. And then when mm -hmm. when you go to fundraising from a community, from from retail, from your users, um, that that's a really really good and strategic thing to do for community building, like rewarding your early stage adopters, users creating your community around the token uh, enabling them to be able to have ownership in your project to to invest early on uh, because you're believers in your project so you see like the a good mix between those is is things that have been working for the last year so we hope to see that more often for for web3 projects as well in the in the future 
Um, so yeah, thanks. That's, that's that's really good advice. How do you see community um, for D travel? Is is it a community more of users, believers? Um, yeah, how do you engage with them? How do you build them? How yeah, how do you activate them? What do you expect yeah, I mean, from community. a community as well? Yeah, community is such a big topic, obviously, in Web3, right? I always think that community is actually a superpower that we need to lean more into because even though we all talk about community in Web3, I think there is definitely a lot more that we could be doing to actually leverage communities as almost like an extended workforce. And mm -hmm. I think that's what we're trying to do more and more now within our own community is figure out ways that the community can get involved and be really, really clear so a couple of months ago, we had our first community-hosted event, which is pretty exciting for us. So a couple of our community members, who are also some of our earliest hosts, came together, organized a really cool event, brought their community together to educate them about D-Travel cool. and about why they should use D-Travel. Yeah, and just about the whole community. So that was really exciting to see because I think it's one thing to say, hey, we're community-driven and, you know, community is so important when three. But then another thing to actually see that in action, because one of the biggest strengths of Web3 is that ownership model. Right? You talked about, you know, giving ownership to your me members. But when people feel like owners, they actually want to go out and do things. And you need to empower them as a community member to be able to do that. So giving them resources, letting them know how they can do that, listening to them. So if they have ideas coming, um, giving them a channel to suggest things and then actually actioning it. Um, mm. The other thing I think that's really important for any Web3 company is communication. I think when one of the things that we definitely learned was we were building a lot. And so we were working kind of quietly in the background because we didn't want to over promise and under deliver. And, you know, sometimes like, especially when you're building really big things, it takes a while to build the foundations. And so it doesn't look like anything's coming on paper because you're just like building all of the infrastructure to do that. So you can't actually see mm -hmm. anything visibly. So we didn't do a lot of updates when we were building out the foundation of D-Travel Direct, which is like our Shopify for operators to create their own direct booking website. And I think that was definitely a mistake because in Web3, you know, when you're silent, that's always bad news. Mm -hmm. So you have to always make sure that you're communicating, even if it seems like you're, you don't have visible progress to share, but even letting the community know, okay, like this week we're working on X, Y, Z feature, which will be used for all of these things. And here are the things that we're thinking about or talking about. Here are some of the challenges that we face. I think in Web3, especially that idea of building in public is really, really important because your community wants to see that you're active, right? And that was a big lesson learned for us where we had to start being a lot more regular and transparent about some of the updates. So now what we do is every week, we have a weekly update across product, BD, marketing, and anything else going on that we share on our Telegram and Discord channels. So that uh, our community members know all the things that we're working on and that we're actively still building. Nice, yeah, I see that for many projects as well in the bear market since the token price are going down so people are going to get or starting to get frustrated because you see their their value of, of of what they have and tokens from that company go down as well and then they start asking questions and they go to empty telegrams or discords and and they see that nothing is being built or 
for like <clears throat> nothing is being communicated that is being built. And then you have that sense of friction between a community and, and, and the project. But like you said, if you communicate transparently on a weekly or monthly basis about the roadmap, about what things, and also like about the bad things, uh, the, the learnings, but showing that you're still, that you're building and you're remaining to that vision and, and you're all in it together as one team going through the bear market where it's more difficult to attract new users um, and, and increase token value. Uh, that is that is really key in, in, in community building. And then community becomes your main marketing channel and communication channel as well. Mm-hmm. Like why would you spend so much on, on influencers or KOLs if you have a thousand community members that are also very passionate about bringing the story and, and doing it in an even better way? So that's, a, yeah, that's good advice as well. Um, and then I'm hopping from topic to topic, but uh, but I also want to talk about pitches. Uh, so pitching, pitching an ID, pitching uh, in the early days, uh, because when we saw each other in, in Lisbon, uh, you had the chance to be on the jury side of the pitches from, from new yeah. Web3 projects, but you decided to go on stage and pitch T-Travel. Uh, I know that you're pitching like a lot and you're really good at, at pitching and, and you also have like very visual Slice, really good slice, very good yeah, storytelling. Also, of course, the, the travel industry is a sexy thing to pitch compared to maybe <laughs> like exchanges and, 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 yeah, and, and really like layer twos or th- stuff like this. Um, but on, on pitches itself, what, what would you get, give as advice to, to founders uh, on their pitch and how important pitches or pitching is or, um, yeah, how to look at it? Yeah, for sure. I think all the engineers will be heartbroken that you said that uh, L2s are not exciting. It, yeah, how, how, or how to make it exciting to pitch an L2 on stage. <laughs> yeah, I think, so to me, one of the most important things about pitching or talking to anybody about your project or company is that you have to show you're passionate about it. I don't know <laughs> if you felt the same way when the pitches were happening. But almost every single pitch felt very emotionless. It was like they were just reciting from a script or didn't feel any connection at all to the problem that they were solving. And if you're not driven by your mission and vision, then you can't create a compelling pitch. You can't connect to people because it's when you have passion for something, for what you're doing, the problem that you're solving, the solution that you have. That's when people are attracted to you because they think, okay, like this person actually, you know, gives a crap about what they're building. Mm-hmm. And I always say that the how, like how you solve a problem is going to change because with startups, you know, you make lots of pivots and your initial hypotheses always change over time and market changes. And because of that, like your solutions will change but the why will always remain the same. So your mission and vision for us, it's about empowering direct connections and ownership and travel. So that fundamentally at a high level is always going to remain the same. That's when we start in terms of like where we want to go. How we solve that problem will never change. And I think, like you said, maybe it's different because for us, travel is very sexy. It's something that's very tangible. And so people understand the problem. And with D-Travel, like, it's very much a problem that I've faced myself as a host. So I'm really solving for myself. So I feel that direct connection. But if I could say anything, it's definitely have passion. Or at least, like, 
fake passion if you don't have it, but it's very obvious when people care about what they're doing versus when they don't. Like people can tell if you're just trying to do something for money. The second thing is it's really easy to forget all the things that you didn't know. So when you're working in something day in and day out, you know all the nuances, you know all mm. the context, but other people don't because it might be the first time that they're hearing either about your project or your company or your industry. And so you always have to think when you're weaving this narrative, if I knew nothing about D-Travel, if I knew nothing about travel and short-term rentals, and I had no knowledge, would this make sense? Would this narrative make sense? Would the problems make sense? Would the solutions that I'm choosing to solve these problems make sense? And if you can do that, then I think it's a lot easier for your pitch to come across or your whatever you're trying to do to come across really clearly because you're putting yourself in their shoes. Whereas I think what a lot of people do is they forget that other people aren't familiar. And so they make a lot of leaps and assumptions in terms of, okay, like I already know this. And so I'm not going to put this in the deck or I'm not going to explain this. But that's very, very key information often that the other person needs to know. And without that information, they can't make the leaps that you've already made yourself. Yeah. Yeah, really, that's crystal clear, in my opinion. And you have to feel the room, but also know who you're pitching to. Because pitching is not only for fundraising, pitching is also towards potential partners. So towards users, exactly. you, you pitch, you pitch, yeah, you pitch day in, day out. It's like communicating. And um, what I really liked on, on, on your pitch is that, there, of course, D-Travel is, is so much more than the slides you've shown, but you focused on, on the bigger vision, the mission, and, and the narrative, the story. And then all the technical details, how it works in the backend, that's not, that wasn't needed uh, for that type of audience. Some VCs will ask you that, but it's better to keep it for, for the question um, and, instead of trying to prop everything into a, into a short pitch. And time-wise, I think the best pitches are the shortest pitches. Now, like when seeing you on stage, it was only a three-minute pitch, so that's really, really short. Um, but you were able to to bring like the story and and the project into a three-minute pitch, so that should be possible for every project to explain your your project in a couple of sentences. Uh, and of course, visually, nice slides help with that. You don't always have yeah the chance to have slides. Uh, sometimes you have to pitch without slides. Um, but yeah, being being very crystal clear in your communication and what you do. And that brings me to to token holders or or, or uh, releasing or bringing a token because that's when you start pitching towards your users and token holders and not anymore to only VCs. Um, you With D-Travel, you guys issued a token um, via Pokestarter uh, fundraising platform. What would your advice be? Maybe not only on the communication side of things because you, you did that really well. Uh, but also like um, towards projects that are thinking about doing an IDO or fundraising for communities, what are the key pillars they have to focus on and, and the pitfalls they have to avoid? Yeah, I think one of them you definitely mentioned already. So this idea of a narrative and storytelling. One of the things that I've heard said before, and I really like this, is that as a founder, but I think you can apply that just uh, on a project level, you get tired of kind of hearing yourself say the same thing over and over again but i think it's really important to have that consistency and narrative and also consistency in terms of what you're saying to people because even though you might have said it a million times 
on the other side, that person might only be hearing it for the first time. And you want to make sure that what you're communicating is consistent across everything that you say, because that's how people will hear it. And you want to make sure that it's really clear where you're going and what you stand for. And so having that really clear, compelling narrative is really key to kind of this idea of bringing together community. And then when you're doing a token launch, there's so many moving parts, I'm sure you know, like lots of people, lots of things to do, lots of time zones that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And one of probably the most important things that I think you can do is having somebody who's very, very experienced on project management, who has managed Mm -hmm. complex projects before. And not only will they have to do a lot of things and manage a lot of things, but I think one of the most important parts of having all of these pieces fall into place successfully is having a clear communication plan. So when we did our launch, for example, we had a lot of different launch partners. Obviously, we had to keep our internal team updated. We had to keep all of our external partners updated. And there was a lot of different dates and times that we were trying to juggle. So I would say one of the most important things is communication. Having a clear launch plan that you're sharing internally with everybody on your team so that they know what's going on. Having like triple or like checking your time zones 10 times at least just to make sure that they're correct. And then letting everybody know when everything is happening. But then also communicating your launch plan externally to all your partners because what ends up happening is that let's say you think something is happening at a certain date or time, but maybe they think that it's a different date or time or they think something else is happening. And so I think having everything on paper that you're sharing and saying, hey, this is my understanding. Can you just double check it and make sure that everything that I have is what you are in agreement with as well? And then that way, if you have that shared document, when it comes time to the launch, everybody can reference it and they're all on the same page. Because again, like when you're just dealing with so many moving parts, it's really easy to forget just one thing that can throw everything off by a lot. And so just making sure that you have that really good communication is I think one of the keys to being really successful. And the other thing is like for us, we were very deliberate about choosing our launch partner. So our Pokestarter was definitely one of them. And that was because you guys have such a great, like recognizable, strong brand. Obviously, you're still here through the bear market. And I think it's really important to pick your launch partners very carefully because those that's like essentially your network, right? So you want to make sure that you're choosing people who are going to be committed to you in the long run and who can help you with whatever else you might have. So like any resources you have, helping share different um, marketing announcements, making intros, et cetera. Those are really, really important because it's not just about like a one-off thing that you're doing. It's about having those relationships in the long run that you can leverage and lean on. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the introduction second on BD level two exchanges to market makers, to PR agencies, uh, but also helping beforehand with token economics, uh, the right distribution, valuation models and stuff like this. So it's yeah, that's really good advice. You get to get the help. And my team is going to kill me for this because I use this word way too often. But create alignment and, and the alignment, having all the parties aligned internally and externally. Yes, that's that's exactly. so key in, 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 in making something big happen. And I love the way that, that or the fact that you say that also internally, making sure that your team 
is aligned and is working towards the same goal and knowing why they're doing uh, those things that really helps and that yeah that empowers them to make decisions and to also be able to answer questions themselves without having to check everything with a with, with, with leadership. Um, so that's yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a really strong advice uh, from your end. Um, on on um, going to uh, to the, the the more challenging part or the pitfalls. What 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 were in, in the early days or maybe still today like the most challenging moments for you as a as a co-founder uh, building in a bear market or building a project that is having yeah a big impact on a big industry. What what uh, what was that for you? Yeah, I mean, this is my second bear market building, and I always joke like I I like to make things difficult on myself and only build in bear markets. But I think with us being in Web3, such a remote-first culture, there's a lot of pros to that, but I think there's definitely some challenges because with remote work, like you don't have these serendipitous meetings that happen where you just ideate on things and then you come up with really good ideas. I think the second challenge with being a remote only company is that usually what happens is it works well for more senior people. But if you're trying to bring on more junior people, because you don't have somebody that they can sort of go to and like learn from and observe just by listening into conversations because everything is happening on Slack or Telegram, they don't learn as quickly. And so you really have to make sure that they have some sort of development plan or some sort of mentorship. Otherwise, they flounder. And I hear this from a lot of people at different levels where somebody's coming in, they don't have a lot of experience, and they want to learn from other people, but everybody else is so busy. And so they end up not having the resources that they need. They feel frustrated. And so they end up leaving. And it's a lot of wasted time and effort on both sides. So I think having a really clear like plan for onboarding, mm-hmm. but then also resourcing after is really important when you're a remote-only company. Um, the other challenge, I think, is especially when you're building in a bear market, bear markets tend to feel really long. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think maybe because I've already gone through a bear market before, this one I'm like, okay, it feels really long, but in reality it's like, I think we're coming to the tail end of it. And realistically, it's about, I don't know, a year and a half, which isn't too, too bad. But what is really common is your team feels really tired. Your team feels really frustrated. They feel demotivated. And it's really important for you as a leader, as the founder of a startup, to keep everybody going, to remind them why you're doing what you're doing. So every day in the day-to-day, you kind of forget because you're just so focused on the task. Often as the leaders, you're so tied to the mission and the vision yourself that you don't necessarily necessarily need that motivation because you know why you're doing it. But for the rest of your team, often like maybe they're not as close to the problem or maybe they're not as passionate or like they just have a lot of other things going on. And so always reminding people regularly like what is a mission and vision you're driving towards why are you doing what you're doing and then celebrating milestones and progress as well because especially in a bear market it's really easy to get demotivated or discouraged because it feels like you know it's, it's hard to sort of see that light at the end of the tunnel but if you can celebrate wins and remind people like hey you know we're making all this progress on our mission to empower direct connections like we've we've had all these amazing milestones like getting um 
these uh, <laughs> recognition on different things. Like I think that's really, really key to keeping everybody on the same page because otherwise, like in a really difficult bear market, if you don't remind them why they should be a part of your company, then it's really easy for them to want to leave. And so making sure that you keep everybody on the same page throughout your entire journey is really key. And I think it's very easy to forget that, especially in a bear market. And that's when you counterintuitively like need it most, right? Because in the bull market, mm -hmm. everybody's happy, everything looks amazing. And so you don't really need to remind people. But in a bear market, it's just so, so critical to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And in a bull market, you have the challenge that people start like trading again, <laughs> lose. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, leaving maybe if they traded well, but we also see like bull markets. Yeah, conversations on Slack or Telegram often also goes about tokens, and then people like starting spending hours a day on following token graphs and charts and and trading. So that's also not ideal. Um, but indeed, like I, I saw somewhere, I think it was on Twitter, like someone sharing it. I don't know who it was. Um, but they have a Slack channel, uh, and that's just like wins or or like to celebrate all the wins. So every time it's like a, a small win or big win, it's celebrated in that Slack channel. And then uh, what we do is every month we have downhole. It's pretty classic like downhole things. But on the downhole, we always start with our vision and mission, and it's repetitive. It's like always the like same vision and mission, but we tend to remind everyone again. Like this is our vision, this is our mission, and we, we stick to it. Sometimes there are like little updates because we focus on the side project, uh, but it always fits into like the bigger, the bigger goal and the bigger piece. Uh, so that's yeah, that's that's really good advice. And on your first point, like what I was thinking is, I've worked for a couple Web three companies and I've talked to quite a few, and I've never or almost never talked to someone from HR. So I don't know if. If that's something Web3 related, that we don't have much HR professionals in Web3. I don't know if you've seen them, but that's definitely something that we would need more, like those self-development plans, the uh, working remotely, how to cope with this, how to train people, young people. Um, is, that, is that something that you see as well, or am I the only one that is kind of missing HR in Web3? Yeah, no, for sure. I think I only know... Zero X is probably the only project I know that has an HR team, maybe <laughs> other than some of the big, big blockchains. But yeah, I think what's really interesting about this point also is, you know, in 2017, we had a lot of people coming into the space who had no experience with startups or like even tech. You had a lot of people from finance or different parts or different industries trying to come in because they really believed in what blockchain and crypto could enable and we still have that today where we have a lot of people coming from different industries but i think that there's a maturity of the industry that's happening where more and more like we have experienced founders coming in who know how to run a startup and could put processes in place but i think that's one of the big challenges for our industry in general like you know because everything moves so quickly and a lot of founders are fairly early in their entrepreneurial journey. So they don't mm. really know how to put processes in place for things to run smoothly. And I think that's definitely one of the advantages that we have is everybody on our team is fairly senior in their career. And so even though we're a remote team, we have a lot of strategy planning sessions. We have a lot of documentation processes, et cetera, that mm -hmm. feel very much like a traditional tech company. And that keeps everybody really organized. But I can understand, like, if you didn't come from that environment, if you had never worked in an environment 
before like that and you didn't know how to set it up it would be pretty chaotic especially for people who are more junior who are looking to you for a lot of that direction and leadership and you don't really know how to provide it and it's also one of those things where it's like you don't know what you don't know so you don't even know that it's missing mm -hmm. to be able to fix it yeah yeah that's super interesting and that will happen i think that will happen in the coming months and years when when new talent come into into web3 like young people like the dgens that we call them that every team needs to be able to communicate on a culturally acceptable way in web3 or on crypto twitter uh, but those those yeah are are often like young people that don't have much professional experience so guiding them is a is a is is good piece of advice thank you so much Cynthia for for all, for all of this like, i feel like you talk uh, a lot longer also on the on the product etc um but if maybe to to end with if people are interested about the travel as potential partnerships or 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 testing or using the product since it's all, also live of course uh, how can they reach out how can they find you um and are you are you willing or are you able to to yeah willing to give advice as well as as a mentor as a coach to uh to entrepreneurs how can they reach out to you yeah definitely so you can find dtravel at dtravel.com and then we're across all of our socials as either dtravel or dtravel doll that's d-a-o and then for me all of my handles across all socials is simbar so c-y-m-b-3-a-r and then i'm always always happy to talk to anybody and answer any questions i think most people who know me know that one of the things i love is being a connector and being able to help other people so yeah if you ever need anything then definitely reach out to me and if you are a host or property manager then definitely you should check out dtravel and then we also have an ai powered recommendation search tool that's coming out in q4 cool. which we're pretty sorry in q1 which we're pretty excited about. Yeah. So if you are a nomad or a crypto traveler, like that's going to be a really amazing product for you. Cool, cool. We'll make sure to highlight this as well on our end, and we'll tag you everywhere when uh, when shipping this uh, this podcast episode. Um, but thanks again. Awesome. This is one one of my favorite ones. Uh, really, like good advice, good uh, pro yeah, advice that you can put in, into practice directly for uh, for founders and, and early stage. A startup so thank you so much cynthia i hope you have a wonderful end of year and good luck with uh with the bull market and with everything that you're going to ship early next year thank you again thanks so much Jan. bye